Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Ray, welcome. I know you as a vintage football guy. Is that pretty accurate? Baseball, too. But everybody was doing baseball back in the day. You were one of the few guys doing football, I thought. Yeah, I have a string of tops and Bowman sets from 54 through the early 70s. Really, I, I did baseball, but I was one of the few at the time that did football. They were easier to come by and not well, as cheaper. expensive. Cheaper, that's for sure. And there are less of them. The demand was really low, but supply was really low too. Now they're more in demand, but yeah. Back in the early shows, they didn't bring football cards and you had to check Sports Collectors Digest, back when it took a week to read it, it was so thick before the internet. And uh, Gervis and I, back in those days, were buying collections. Were you doing that too? No, but remember, some of those shows, people would walk in with collections. Yeah. And I remember one of the early shows, somebody walked in with some 1951 Bowmans. Looked like they'd just come out of the package and had about three Mickey Mantles in it. And yeah. He let everybody auction, if you remember. And the highest bidder got them sometimes. And sometimes Gervis would buy them himself. But. I just am here to say I was not the winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot that looking back, that would have been nice. And they went for not that much. It would have been hundreds of dollars. I don't know that it had been thousands of dollars. I think it was two or $300 and no telling what it's worth today. Yeah. And, uh, you didn't see very many 52 tops walk in like that yeah. or anything mm-hmm. along that line. But the Bowmans were there at that time. You think the average guy in those early shows in the mid 70s, 74, 75, 76, brought a couple hundred bucks with him? Yeah, yeah, I do. But if there was a collection that was like a thousand bucks, I don't know what would happen. Maybe Gervis was enough older than me, was into his career, but he was building his business. I don't think he had a lot of extra cash. How about you? Were you already doing well in your career at that point, or where were you? I just out of college, too. And I'd set money aside to to buy cards. Okay. And I remember one time I had a Sports Collector's Digest for the complete run of high number 1962 Topps baseball. I think I paid $32 for them. And boy, they are like they just came out of the package. And you couldn't touch one card, you know, yeah. like that today. Were you buying mainly off your want list? You were trying to complete the sets? I did. I was working to complete sets. And what's funny, I've got four grandsons now, and I'll buy them a top set every year, each one of them. But they go to the card shops and buy these paninis that have like numbers on them. That's the way kids do it now. They don't even care about a complete set. Were you a big pack opener when you were a kid? Oh, yes. Because I did a lot of trading when I was a kid. Uh-huh. I bought packs here and there. And I don't know how I got so many cards because I never had very much money. But I never remember buying a whole box. A few times. You could buy a Topps box. I think it had 20 packs in them. And they were a nickel a pack for... Uh, for a dollar or two. A dollar or two. 24. It was yeah, 24, yeah. Why did my parents not give me a buck 20 instead of a dime? Yeah. <laughs> That's <should>. right. <laughs> no, I won't say there's no justice because there really is justice, but I got more than I deserved, I'm sure. But back in the day, <laughs> I felt deprived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you just retired. Are you spending more time on collecting or are you just kicking back and relaxing? I got four grandsons and I got them all playing baseball. And I love taking them to their games and their practices. And 
so forth. Here lately, I haven't been buying as many cars. I've been more into autographs, and uh, I have a lot of baseball and football programs and items like that. Uh, what do you think about the ticket stub? stubs have come on strong lately? Is that uh, You know what? I have a bunch of those from the Cotton Bowl Classic. I'm a big Texas Ranger fan, long-suffering, but I have some of the first game at one stadium, the last game, and so forth. World Series, two years we made it. Yeah. And back in the early 80s, I was fortunate enough to go down to those games in the Astrodome when the Astros were playing the Phillies. And I think they still show game four on ESPN or MLB Network when the greatest games ever played. That game four was really wild, and extra innings, and it's still talked about today. In your collecting pursuits, do you consider yourself primarily a collector, or is there any investment or dealing aspect to your collecting activities. Jim, I rarely, if ever, sell anything. And uh, you get to where you're busting at the seams. <laughs> and sons have been the beneficiary of some of the items. So I just ran out of room to keep it. I had a number of large, I had them in my office for a long time, baseball pictures autographed, and they were wanting to start their rooms and collections with them. And they have them now. But it's a matter of space, I think, for a lot of people. But no, I, I never buy anything to sell it. And as far as investing, I I really more collect what I want rather than worry about whether it'll bring a lot of money. In most cases, it does. The value of it has really gone sky. I know you had a long, successful career in the security industry, not selling securities, but selling security uh-huh. <laughs> or leasing it with monthly fees. But your estate plan for yourself at some point in the distant future, is it just to divide your stuff by four for your four grandsons? Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing everything I can to get them interested in it. And I don't know how some of the stuff will split four ways, but money uh, four ways. Cards, not always. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you take a 59 tops baseball set and split it four ways, but if somebody could take a 58 or a 57 and they could have a little, <laughs> little draft of one box at a time. <laughs> yeah. I started that way too. I always just traded off. I sold stuff, but it was just to get in return for the stuff that I wanted. I did some of that. But uh, I probably prefer trading. What are your oldest memories as an adult collector? Most people ask about the oldest memory as a childhood collector, but as an adult collector, because I presume it's shortly after when I was getting involved in the 70s. It was. I had answered an ad in the campus paper from Gervis, our mutual friend, Gervis Ford, and followed up with him. So that's how I knew about stuff. But how do you get reconnected? Two ways. My first job right out of CCU was with the Dallas Morning News, and right next door to the Morning News was Channel 8 TV. I was leaving for work one day, and the morning show at Channel 8 said, we got fall legend Leo DeRocher going to come in and talk about his new book. And I had a baseball, and I got down there to the office, and I went next door, and they couldn't have been nicer. They said, hey, you're, you work next door. You're one of us. We'll get you in here. And they let me watch the interview from behind the camera, and when it was all over, I got him to sign the ball, and that kind of got me started back into it. And then uh, that same year was the first year I went to Gervis's show, the Dallas Car Show. It was at the old Holiday Inn, if you remember, on Central Expressway in Haskell. And No longer exists. <laughs> yep. That's long gone. <laughs> But I went to that, and then I got hooked on it again. When everybody gets their first car, and they're playing ball themselves and driving themselves to the games. So you don't collect as much during those years than you're in college. But that's what got me started again. But you still had your stuff from when you were a kid. 
Oh, I have it all. Yeah. So what years did you collect as a kid then? And that was just a neighborhood activity? Yeah. It's like the 1959 baseball was when I really got started. And it through 64, I had a lot of stuff from 59 to 64. And then 65 through 68, it dwindled. And then 69 for several years, it was down to nothing. But uh, then I got started back in 74, 75, yeah. one of those shows that Gervis had. Yeah, that just seems like ancient history now, but we lived it. We were there. I always tell people when they hear the podcast or when I'm talking to them, they think, it sounds like we're exaggerating, Ray. (laughs) But we're not. (laughs) That's really what happened. And it's just amazing to think. Okay, so let's talk about your career with Smith mainly. I started out And uh, it was an old company in town. It was started in 1903. I was lucky. I worked for George Smith III and George Smith Jr. I was there 13 years, and then it, the family sold it, and I went over to Dallas Security Systems, and I was there with, for 27 years and just retired two months ago. Yeah. The product is alarming houses, right? Houses and businesses. And, okay. Yeah, we did it now. Both companies did both, residential and commercial. The commercial is alarm systems and uh, access control and now there's a lot of cameras and houses. We got to where we did more commercial work as time went on. But in the residential, I'm just thinking of some of these collectors out there that may even have an alarm system. But did that ever come up of people that had collections that were using your company? Because if you have a sprinkler system or something like that, or some other forms of these security elaborate systems, you can damage the cards just with a false. Oh, yeah. Card. Did you, you know, get involved in any of that? I really didn't do any collectors like you or me, but I did some of the old Cowboys and a few ex-major leaguers. We did their homes, and it really was a lot of fun, and they were great to deal with. If they had memorabilia sitting out. How well was it protected? Are there any tips? Because if something's in plain view and you have people over, sometimes people steal it or break it. They weren't that concerned, believe it or not. They had it out in plain view. Several entities, including my old company, are building vaults. Yes. They're larger than a walk-in safe. I mean, like a bank vault that's hermetically sealed where you can keep your stuff in there and presumably nothing bad can happen to it. There's an old collector and he had a table at Jervis's shows too. You and I both know him, but I think he has a Honus Wagner. 206 card. From what I understand, it keeps it in the bank vault. If it's at the bank, I guess that's presumably safe. You got to get it back and forth to the bank if you ever want to look at it. Beckett Media, my successor entity, has new offices now where they've built in a vault in the middle that has thick lead walls or whatever, so nothing bad can happen. So what does your day look like? Sounds like you're going to have a lot more time on your hands. Are you going to plow some of that Besides your grandsons, it sounds like if you've already got your complete sets, what are you working on? There's nothing to organize if you've got your complete sets. Are you upgrading Uh, them? Are they graded? Are they? No, you know what? I've never really gotten anything graded. I just hadn't done it. This room I'm sitting in, I need to do a little more uh, decorating. And when we first moved in here, our two daughters were small, and this was our game room. And they got out of college, got married, and so forth. And I converted into a man cave up here. There's some more uh, decorating I need to do myself. And then I've got a couple of closets, semi-organized, but I need to go through them and get them better organized and so forth. I've got albums of, most of them are eight by 10 autographs, football and baseball. Some of these younger guys don't write very legible. And 
I was going to make sure I could label those better where I know who they are. Down the line, I want to make sure the grandkids know who they are and so forth. How much of those did you get them personally signed in your presence as opposed to mailing away? Were most of them when you were waiting in line or met somebody? Gosh, probably, I don't know, at least half of them in person, at least. I was fortunate. I was on the radio a number of years, did sports trivia. That's right. Yeah. And I was good friends with Bobby Braden, who, thanks to Bobby, he got me on the show. We were on for 15 years doing yeah. trivia. Yes. And uh, I was also on KRLD, but, but the main part I was on with, was with Bobby on um, WBAP. And back in the day, Bobby would put on the old-timers game for the Rangers. And the old players loved him. And he got everybody that was anybody to come to those. One time I said, Bobby, you need any help for picking them up the airport? And he knew what I was up to. And he let me do that for four or five years, as long as it lasted. We picked up all the legends. Everybody you could imagine came in and uh, they were all willing to sign for it. They knew we were volunteers. Bobby donated money to charity from the whole thing. They knew we were there helping. Most of them were very courteous, glad to sign and so forth. I know you to be a pretty polite guy. So I'm just wondering what tips you would have for collectors now if they were giving a Hall of Famer or somebody a ride back from the airport. What's the maximum number of items you could get the celebrity to sign? Would you offer one or two? I think sometimes people just give them a big stack. No, I just do one or two. One or two? One or two. I picked up Joe DiMaggio four or five years in a row. I always called him Mr. I was right you know him but he knew me every year he'd be looking for me at the airport and i never would take advantage of him it was one or two items a year he was super nice and hank aaron willie mays eddie matthews just the whole group of them i tell people about it and they can't believe it yeah you had the opportunity to do that some of those guys that you've mentioned are not notorious they're famous but they don't warm up that easily they're wary and cautious so if you put them at ease, then that's to your credit because uh, they, they always have people hitting on them. They, if they, most of them, they'd want to personalize it. But if, if you said no, then they'd get leery of it that you were yeah. going to sell it. <laughs>